Matthew chapter 5, and uh, I'm going to start in verse 17. If you'd like to stand, uh, you can. We often do that in this service while we read God's word. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever wishes to relax one of these, the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar. And go, first be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you'll never get out until you have paid the last penny. Father, I pray that you would open up our, our hearts and minds to know, to believe, and to obey the scriptures here this morning. Father, we, uh, we ask, God, that you would move us. God, move both our hearts and our will to be quick to reconcile, quick to build right relationships, quick to repair broken relationships. God, I pray that there might be some real practical obedience that comes from this, this time together in your word, that there might be relationships that are restored and marriages that are, are built up and forgiveness given. Father, we ask that you would do that, that sweet work of your Holy Spirit this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So as we've been working through the, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we've been talking about the Beatitudes and specifically what kind of person is in the kingdom of God. So the Beatitudes kind of help us. Jesus steps on the scene in Matthew 4 saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then the Beatitudes are really a great summary of what, what, is, what does a kingdom person look like? You know, someone who mourns over their sins, someone who's, who's meek, who, who is uh, merciful and hungers and thirsts for righteousness and pure of heart and a peacemaker and persecuted. You know, all those kind of that picture of what it looks like like to be in the kingdom of God now as, as Jesus does that he kind of almost steps back in verse 17 and says hey I, I want to make sure you understand that that I'm not giving you some kind of new stuff right he, he says I'm not I'm not telling you like the old testament is wrong the law was not sufficient what no 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 he's saying I, I'm actually fulfilling the law so so in, in describing for us the newness of the kingdom of God and what kind of people will be in the kingdom of God. He says, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not changing the Old Testament. I'm not changing the law that you know. I'm actually fulfilling the law. Okay, that's what he says in verse 17 when he says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill them, okay, to fulfill the law, to fulfill God's standard of righteousness. Now, now essentially why, why he's moving into this is because he, he's gonna talk about 
what it means to be righteous. All right, now, look at verse 20. He says, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the scribes, were the, they were the guys who took care of the Bible, right? They spent their whole life uh, recording, uh, writing, or not writing, but re- rewriting, you know, making copies of the Word of God. The Pharisees were what you could be called professional rule keepers, right? They, they were the ones that everybody looked to saying, man, those are the guys that are righteous. Those are the guys that keep all of the law, all right? And then Jesus comes along in verse 20 and says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you're going to never enter the kingdom of heaven. So this was a big blow. Like, people would have heard that and been jarred. They're like, man, if those guys can't get in, then nobody can, right? Because those guys are the professional rule keepers. Now, really, what Jesus was, was, was saying here what was really what he said in John 3, 3, really plainly. He said, unless you're born again, you'll, you'll never see the kingdom of God. So, so what Jesus was saying was that, okay, you can't get to heaven by being a rule keeper. You, you, you can't do it. It won't work. And it, Paul actually said that straight out in, in Romans 3, 20, where he says, For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So so Paul just comes right and says, nobody's going to be able to to get into heaven by keeping the rules, even the scribes and the Pharisees. Why? Because we've already broken them. We've already busted them. The only way to get into heaven is through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We understand that at Lincoln, right? That's the only way that we can be right with God. So if we'd continue reading in Romans, so verse 20 of chapter 3 says, nobody's going to get into heaven by keeping the rules, by keeping, keeping the law. And then verse 21 says, now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Did you hear that? The righteousness of God... For, through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So, so Paul, in fact, in, in Philippians 3, he does kind of a cool thing. He gives his own testimony. And, he, and he's like, you know what, guys? I used to be a guy that prided myself in how I kept all the rules. You know? He says, I, I, I thought I was blameless in keeping the law. But then he says, then I realized that, that I, I don't want a righteousness that I made up on my own. I want the righteousness of Jesus, the righteousness that comes by faith in Christ. All right, so, so let's get everything real clear here this morning before we move on, okay? The only way that you can be right with God, the only way that you can be righteous is by repenting of your sin and putting your faith in Jesus Christ in his perfect righteous life lived on your behalf, right? So when we, when we put our faith in Christ, we're joined to Jesus and his righteous life comes into our account and our sin goes upon him, all right? So you cannot... Get to heaven by, by keeping the rules. Nobody has ever done it. Now, the jarring thing about that is there are a, there's a world full of people trying to get to heaven by keeping the rules, right? All of Hinduism, what are they doing? Trying to get to heaven by keeping the rules. All of Islam, what are they doing? Trying to get to heaven by keeping the rules. Most of Northwest Oklahoma, good old boy religion, I, I don't think it's a formal religion, but, you know, if I would say what most Northwest Oklahomans believe, many Northwest Oklahomans believe, is, is kind of this hybrid of rule keeping, right? And, and, and here's the great thing about being a rule keeper is, is you always make up your own rules, okay? Have you ever played a game with a toddler? You can't win, man. You can't win. You know why? Because they always make up the rules, no matter what it is. I was, I was playing, uh, we were playing dart gun, uh, you know, like Nerf gun, uh, Nerf gun battle last night. Me and my, my little guy, he's three. 
And, man, there was no way I could win, you know, because he had the game rigged. Like, as we went on, he made up the rules so that only he could win. So, so like, his gun, he could have six bullets in it. Mine could only have one, right? I mean, like, who made up that? I was like, why? But literally, like, he would shoot at me, and then I would grab a couple darts, you know, and try to put him, you know, in my spare holders, and he would he'd hang his head and cry. You know, he just, well, you know, I was like, well, he said, those are mine, you know. You, I got one, and he got six. Sometimes he even took mine, you know. I mean, like, he's making up the rules, Right? Rule keepers are exactly like that, right? They, they play the game that way. The scribes and Pharisees, they would take the Old Testament and, and they would do this number. So here's what Jesus says in verse 21. He says, you've heard of it said of those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Okay, now here's what the, old, here's what the scribes and Pharisees would do. They would take that command and they would be like, hey, hey check that one off. I've not murdered, right? I've never bludged anybody, never poisoned anybody, never stabbed anybody, never, never shot anybody, never ran over anybody. So I am righteous because I have not broken that command, right? Now, now, if you're a rule keeper, what you also do is, so you check those off and then you make some other ones that other people can't keep, you know? And that's where the scribes and Pharisees came in. They're like, you know, so, so we haven't killed anybody and, you know, we, uh, we, we memorized all this scripture and we, we're the, the most faithful to, to the religious services and, you know, you, you make up your other rules as well, right? Okay, that, that's, what they, that, that's what they've done. Now, now, what Jesus comes along then in Matthew 5 is he says, man, you are missing the point. You're missing the point of the law. When, 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 God, when God gave the sixth commandment, his desire was not just, well, hey, you know what? I, I want a people that haven't killed anybody, you know? And even if they're mean and nasty and, and, and harsh and bitter and slanderous and angry and ruthless and hateful and vicious, if they haven't killed anybody, we're good, right? It, is that the spirit of the sixth commandment? Is it God's like, well, you know what? You can be angry. You can beat people up. You can slam them with your words. You can hold grudges. You can be unforgiving just as long as you don't kill anybody. Well, obviously not, right? And, and so Jesus comes along, and he brings fulfillment to the command. Now, that's what he's saying in verse 17. I've not come to abolish the law, prophets. I've come to fill them up, right? Like, you need to rightly understand God's law. And God's law always deals not just with the outward act, but also with the heart. Remember what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 15, in verse uh uh, what is that, 18? He says, well, what comes out of the mouth uh, proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Jesus says, out of the heart comes those things. And so, if we, if we make this a line, you've, you've seen me do that. I like lines, you know, I really do. So if this is a line, okay, so, so what happens is the, 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 the scribes and Pharisees, they come all the way to the end here. And they say, all right, God says, here's this righteous standard. You shouldn't kill anybody, right? Don't stab them, don't beat them, don't, 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 don't bludgeon them to death, don't poison them, don't kill anybody. And then they would take one step back and be like, look, Huh? Not done that. I am righteous. I am good with God. I have fellowship with God. All right. But what Jesus says is, no, no, you're not. Because the line extends all the way back here. And, and a murderous heart begins with anger. Right? Anger. That's why he says in verse 21, or verse 22, but I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Now, what is anger? 
Okay? It's kind of a hard word to act. It, it's a word where everybody in this room knows exactly what it is. You know, nobody's in here saying, I don't know what anger is. I've never been that before. You know, no, nobody's saying that. But when you try to actually kind of define it, it's a little hard. So here's, here's my stab at it. It's personal annoyance, irritation, animosity, hatred, despising that is aimed at somebody else due to some real or perceived hurt or slight or thread or something like that okay another way to put it is we we feel hurt we feel lost and so we aim our annoyance our irritation our hatred at at, at the person that we perceive to be the cause of that now here's what rule keepers do some of you you may have still some rule keeper in you right so so you already see where where jesus is going right you see that jesus says if you're angry you've already broken the sixth commandment you are a lawbreaker right and so here's what a rule keeper naturally is going to do they're going to be like whoa but uh uh-huh there's such a thing as righteous anger, <laughs> right? Jesus was angry. Remember when he when he overthrew the temple, or the tables of the temple, and and and, and formed the whip and drove those guys out. And they're like, "That's me, my my right." When I punched that guy at the filling station the other day, that was just like Jesus. That was righteous anger. Okay, that's where a lot of rule keepers go. Now, so let's talk about righteous anger a little bit, right? Is there such a thing as righteous anger? Absolutely. God is righteously angry all the time. Okay, now, here's what I would say. If your anger is, it's righteous, if it is, you're angry at what God is angry at, and you respond to that anger the way that God responds to anger. Let me give you an example. If you're here this morning, and and you are emotionally stirred, you are emotionally tore up on the inside over the reality that 330, 30,000 babies are aborted in America each year. That just stirs you up on the inside. And it just causes you to be, ah, annoyed and and irritated and and upset. And your response to that is to open up your pocketbook and give to the pregnancy center and open up your time schedule and you volunteer there and you find ladies that are in distress and you welcome them into your home and maybe you even open up your home and you adopt children and and, and when you meet ladies that have been scarred by abortion, you pour your life into them and you invest in them and you love them and you care for them, then here's what I would say. That is righteous anger. That is absolutely righteous anger. So, so that kind of anger, and, and it could be for uh, lots of other things, right? So, so if, if that's the kind of anger you're talking about, I totally agree with you. But here's what I firmly have witnessed over my 21 years here at Lincoln Avenue. Most of my anger and most of your anger is not that, okay? It's not that. Like most of the time when we're angry, it doesn't look like that. Most of the time we are angry over some personal slight some personal perception of loss or annoyance or hurt over something somebody and most of the time the way we handle it is, is not by love and grace and ministry to that person to to stop the sin but rather most of the way that we handle that is by withdrawing it's by giving them the cold shoulder it's by saying i don't want anything to do with that person i'm not going to love them i'm not going to minister to them i'm not going to take care of them i'm not i'm not going to help the situation I'm, I'm, i want them to hurt I want, I want them to have pain that is not righteous anger in fact in james chapter 1 verse 20 james says this The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And James is tapping into that very same thing that most all of our anger is really not God's kind of anger. It's not righteous anger, but rather it is a selfish anger that is not inclined toward loving others, but it's inclined toward pulling away from others, withholding love, withholding care, punishing others. 
being bitter and, and, and rejoicing in the thought that the, that the object of our anger is getting the sorrow they deserve. And then what's even worse is when we stay on the line. All right, so, so Jesus is going to take it another step. So he says, you know, you've heard it said that you shall not murder, and if you murder, you'll be liable to the judgment. Jesus said, but I tell you, if you're angry, you're liable to judgment. And then, then he goes to the next step. You see, if you stay on this line, so you get angry, right? You get angry, and, and, and you're withholding your affection from somebody, you're punishing them in some way, you're lashing out at them in your heart and your mind, and if you stay there, well, if you stay there, guess what's going to happen? It's going to come out of you. Right? We all think we can just stuff it. I'm not sure where are we stuffing it. You know? Have you ever thought about that? Like we all think, I'm just going to stay angry, but I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to let it out. You know, I'm going I'm to put it in my spleen because I'm not sure what else it does. Right? I'm just going to stuff my spleen full of my anger and it's never going to come out. My experience, it always comes out. Right? And, and the first thing Jesus says is whoever insults his brother. What, what is that? Well, we've taken another step. Right? Right? Now it's coming out of us. That person, they're, they're so stupid. Right? Can't believe they did that. Man, I, they are the worst friend ever. They deserve this. We lash out with our, our, our mouth. Jesus said, man, that person is, is, is liable to the, the judgment of the council one step further, you know? And they're such a moros is the Greek word. What do you think word we get from that? Moron, right? It is. It's translated, you fool. We call somebody a fool. And here's what Jesus says. You have the heart of a murderer. First John 3.15. Listen to this. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. See, we, we want to justify ourselves. So we, we want to say, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I've not murdered. Again, I've not done this. But God says, yeah, but in your heart, you, you're, you were here, and you didn't deal with your anger. And then it started coming out of you. It started seeping out of you. And maybe you're right here. But that's a murderous heart. God is looking at your heart. You, you are not loving people as you ought to because you are angry. And really, the only difference between that and a murderer is probably fuel, time, opportunity, confidence there won't be consequences, lack of self-control maybe. But murder is just the end of the line that starts with anger. So, what does the righteousness of Jesus look like here? Okay, now, now let's let's come back. Let's come back here. So, so if we're here, all right, we're angry. Okay, now let's get things straight. Are, are, are we saved based upon our works? Can anybody get to heaven that way? No, we're only saved by, by turning away from our sin, putting our faith in Jesus Christ with his righteousness, okay? But the person who has his righteousness, very important point here, the person who has Jesus' righteousness is going to live by faith, right? That's what it means to be connected to Jesus. We're going to live by faith. And that faith is going to get us off this line, all right? So Jesus is saying, my kingdom people will be, remember our series on the Beatitudes? They'll be meek. They'll be merciful. They'll be peacemakers. What are all those things saying? We're going to get off this line of anger. Right now, now, big question. How do how do we do that? Let, let, let me tell you how most people try to do this and it doesn't work. Okay? Most people they get convicted, man, I, I got anger in my heart toward my spouse or toward my kids or toward my, my brother or toward my friend or to my church member or whatever, my coworker. I got angry in my heart. And I know I shouldn't be angry. And so here's what most people try to do. 
I just need to stop. Just stop being angry. Just, just stop it. Just stop being angry. Just quit being angry. Stop it. What, is, what does that do? It just makes me more angry, doesn't it? Does that, is that what it is for you? Like, like I, it doesn't work. It doesn't work just to say, okay, I'm just going to stop. And so what does Jesus say to do? He's really clear here. Okay, you ready? So, so it starts with anger. And he's saying, whoever insults the brother who says to you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Verse 23, ready? So, okay, so, and then he gives an illustration. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar. Go first, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser. All right, now, now what does Jesus say there? He says the way to stop being angry is to go pursue a right relationship with the person you're angry with, right? The way to get off of this line so you're angry, you've been hurt, you've been, you've been done wrong in some way, and now, now your heart is, is wrong toward that person. The way to get right, the way to stop being angry is to pursue a right relationship with the person, right? See, a lot of times we don't want to do that. We just want to be like, oh, God, I just want to stop being angry. Just help me get off this line. But I don't want to be right with them. I don't want to pursue reconciliation. I, I don't want to have a right. I don't want to have anything to do with them. It's very hard to stop being angry and still be wrong with somebody. So, so Jesus says, you need to get off the line. You, you need to take a step, an immediate step, Toward reconciliation. Now, the illustration he gives is an interesting one, okay? So, so the illustration is of a worshiper who's right in the middle of worship, okay? Now, in this situation, they're offering their sacrifice at the altar. Now, what that meant for a Jew in Jesus' day was probably that he brought his best lamb to the altar and, you know, got there, you know, waited in line, got in front of the priest, put, put, put the hand on, 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 on the sacrifice, and the priest is about ready to, to slay the, 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 the animal, and then he remembers he's got this broken relationship, and so he goes to take care of it okay the, the only the only real illustration i can think of in my mind would be something like baptism okay so so imagine like a person is is being baptized right and i've got them up here and hey this is so and so they put their faith in jesus christ they're joined to him today and they're they're going to identify publicly with jesus death burial and resurrection and so you know who's your lord and savior they're like jesus christ and i'm like okay that my brother then i baptize you in the name of the father and like wait you know, and they come out of the baptistry, you know, and they come around, and they come around, and, and they come through here, and they're dripping all over. They got their robe on. They're all wet, and they tap somebody on the shoulder, and they go outside, and I'm watching, you know, and there's a little conversation, and there's a hug, and there's a little prayer, and then, man, he comes back in, comes back around, comes back down in the water. He's like, okay, I'm ready, you know. And they're like, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you're going out, right? I mean, that, that's really the illustration that Jesus is giving. It, it's of this this really awkward moment to get out of but yet it's so important that he does he says man i i can't be angry i don't want to be angry i don't want to be on this murderous line so i'm going to seek to be right in my relationship with the person that i'm wrong with now isn't it interesting verse 23 if you're offering your gift at the altar and there you remember your brother has something there you remember you know isn't that, isn't that cool? There, why would you remember there? Folks, that is always what happens with me. How many times do you go to be with God? I don't know how it works in your life, but you, know, you go to open up the scriptures and to read. 
Man, I, I can tell you distinct times when, when I was trying to read the Scriptures, and I could, it's not it's like I couldn't read, you know, it's not like I was like, I don't know what that word is. I, I could read, but do you know what I mean? Like I couldn't because I was angry. Or, or how many times have you, you gone to pray? I mean, you can't pray. Because you're angry. I'm telling you, I tell, I tell couples this who do premarital counseling, th- this one principle got him and I through our first 10 years of marriage. I mean, it was, it was the most helpful thing in our first 10 years of marriage. The fact that we made a commitment uh, when we got married that we're going to pray with each other. We're going to pray together out loud every night. Well, man, I did not realize how that was going to sting me, okay? You know, because cause we'd be at odds, and I'm ready to go to bed. I'm Honestly, I'm ready to go to bed at like 8 o'clock. Like, actually, now I could go. I mean, like, I'm an early bed guy, you know? And so, like, I'm ready to get, get, get to bed, and, 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 but there's, there's this thing between us, you know? We'd had a disagreement or an argument or something, and, and we, we, we made this commitment to pray, you know? But we're just laying there, and I, she knows that I'm supposed to lead in prayer. You know, I kind of made that deal, too, you know? And so that really came back to haunt me, you know, because I don't know what she was doing. It's dark. I couldn't see, but I kind of pictured her over there snickering, you know, like <laughs> she stays up late anyway. And, and man, this way it'd go every time. I'd, I'd lay there for as long as I could, and then I'd be like, ah, hey, hon, yeah, I'm really sorry that happened. You know, uh, I love you. Love you too. Now, finally, you know, God. You're great. We're going to bed. You know, amen. You know, know, it's like, what my whole point with that is, isn't it true that whenever you try to worship or read the scriptures or pray or fellowship with God in any way, if you're wrong with somebody, God brings that up. If he doesn't bring that up to you, I'm not sure where you're at in the faith, honestly. Man, he brings it up to me every time, every time. I, I, can't, I can't go to him. Why? Because he's going to remind me. He's going to remind me of that broken relationship, that thing that needs to be fixed. You know what else is interesting? Jesus' words here, he says, if you're offering your gift, this is verse 23, at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you. You, you know what we like to do? We like to pull the whole, well, hey, that's, it's their problem. I, I'm fine with them. You know, it's, 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 all, it's all them, you know. It's not my problem. You, you know what Jesus is saying here? It doesn't matter. Does it matter? It, it evidently doesn't. He says, if you remember, that your brother has something against you. In fact, I, I would even say this. We oftentimes go to incredible lengths trying to justify why this is not our problem. I, I've often told people, if we spend as much energy on reconciling as we do trying to justify that we were right in this whole deal. You know, it's not our problem. It's not our fault. I mean, we'd, we'd, we'd be reconciled with everybody. But evidently it doesn't matter because Jesus says, you remember your brother has something against you. Now, I'm, I'm trying to shoot down some questions that I, I know will come. What, what if, I've, I've had this ask of me, what if, what if, pastor, I can get off of this line without ever having gone to them? What if, what if I can not be angry, and, and, but, but I don't ever have to go to them? Okay, here's what I would say. If they don't know about the conflict, in other words, if the conflict is completely on you, all right? 
That's the only way that works, okay? If you actually had a conflict with somebody and they know it and you know it, you got to go. You, you got to in some way reach out. You got to some way try to make that right, okay? But there are situations, and I, I absolutely knew, know this because I think I have more of them than, I think if there's a world record for this, I, I, I'm going to win it, okay? Uh, I have a lot of situations where I'm simply clueless that I've offended somebody. Uh, man, I remember I, not, not too long after I came to pastor here, man, Kenny Bowers, you remember Kenny? Oh, man, greatest guy in the world, you know? And, and, he, and he came into the office back there, my office over there, and he's like, well, pastor, I guess I'm leaving the church. I resign everything, you know? And I'm like, what? what? What happened, you know? And he's like, well, I, you know, I guess you don't like me or you don't. And, man, I, like my head spin, like I have no idea, zero, what he's talking about, you know? And, and it was a complete misunderstanding. You know, Dornell had asked me if we should do the offering a certain way, and I said, yeah, that'd be great. And then Dornell went and told him, you know, uh, hey, pastor said we're going to do the offering this way. He, he completely read into that that I thought something about yeah, I, don't, I don't even know. I don't even remember what it was. But, but it was a completely misunderstanding. And, and so here, here's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that Kenny didn't just be like, well, you know, I'm just going to get, I'm going to love pastor, but we're going to leave the church because, you know, I'm so glad that he came to me, you know. He came and, and, and said, hey, you know, here's, here's the deal, you know, and we were able in about two minutes to work the whole deal out, you know. I just said, no, that's completely Dornell's fault, you know. Now, anyway, I did sort of say that, but, yeah, and it was, but she's in California now. Bless your soul if you're listening, uh, Dornell. But it's just a misunderstanding. Like, I, I loved him to pieces, you know. And, and, and I've had a lot of those, and, I, and I'm thankful. You know, I'm thankful for that. I, the people that have emailed me, hey, Pastor, you know, I, you hurt my feelings. Or, hey, you know, I'm just, I'm thankful. I, I don't take that bad. I want, I want them to come. So what I'm saying is, a lot of times, okay, if, if it does nothing to do with them, they don't even know there's a conflict, and you can just in your heart be like, hey, that was silly, I just need to get over it. Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness. I, I, I please, and I'm going to go love that person with all my heart. Then, yes, you don't, you don't have to tell them about it. But you actually have to go, I think, express love in some way. Text or, I mean, in an appropriate way, right? I don't think you can just, just avoid them. Uh, I think your heart's got to be okay, right? Your heart's got to be okay. Now, next question you're going to ask. What if they won't reconcile? Because that actually happens a lot, right? What, what if there's a broken relationship and you're like, Pastor, I've tried to step off that line and I've tried to reconcile and they, they just, they won't. You know, they're still angry. Maybe they're not a believer. That, that's a lot of case, times the case. They're, just not, they're not a believer. So, you know, if you have two believers, it ought always be able to work out. I mean, I really believe it ought to be. It, I mean, I think that's what Paul's saying in Philippians 4 about those two gals, Yodi and Syntyche. He's like, man, they need to agree in the Lord. They're both Christians. They're both believers. Whatever this thing is between them, you need to get it right in the Lord and move on, right? But sometimes it's, it's somebody who doesn't trust Christ, doesn't love Christ. Doesn't, they're not a Christian, and they just won't budge. You know, here's what I would say about that. I, I think it's possible to get off this line of anger, to be right with the Lord, and for there still to be a broken relationship. Um, I, I had this happen. Um, I've told this story a bunch. The guy didn't care if I tell it. Um, but uh, there was a thing that happened. And, and I, I really did the best I could. It was a bad situation. But he, he was upset at me. And so I went to his house. Like, like I knew there was a conflict. So I went to his house. That did not go well. Okay. Did not go well. Um, it kind of ended with 
me being thrown off the porch to some degree, you know. Um, it didn't go well at all. So next day, man, it's still troubling me. Um, and so I call, call, express my love, express I'm sorry. I don't want, I don't want there to be a broken relationship. We can agree in the Lord. We can do this. Click, hangs up. Um, but here was the deal. I remember this specifically. I hung up that phone, and I was free. Does that make sense? Like, like I, I knew that I had done everything I could at that moment anyway to make things right. And, and I was able to open up my Bible and to enjoy the Lord. I was able to worship. I was able to pray. I was able to, to feel the joy of the Lord. And I actually, I was able to continue to try to pursue a relationship with him. And we're best buds right now. Um, I mean, everything is, everything is fixed. Everything is clear. Everything is good. And, but it took a while. But what I'm saying is I, I was able to get off there. But I, but I had to take those steps, you know. There's a verse in Romans that says, As much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. I, that's, that's an important statement. As much as it depends on you. Now, one more, one more danger here. So, so another danger I think that I want to make sure you don't misunderstand is, Jesus says, if you're offering your gift at the altar there and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother. And then listen, listen, listen. And then come and offer your gift. All right? Then come and worship. Okay? Now, the reason I'm emphasizing that is I've known some genuine people so I, I love genuine people, okay? So they're, they're like, you know what? I, my heart, I'm angry, and I can't read my Bible right now. Like, I, I, I'm angry. I'm angry. I'm, I'm bitter, and I can't worship, and I can't pray. And so the response to some people is just, okay, so I'm not, I'm not going to try. I'm not going to try to read my Bible. I'm not going to worship. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to serve. I've had some people say, you know, I just can't serve right now. I'm, I'm angry. And, and I appreciate the honesty of you know, I don't want to fake this. I don't want to be a fraud. But what I don't appreciate is, okay, go get it right and then come back and worship, right? The answer is not, okay, I'm just not going to worship. I'm just not going to pray. I'm just not going to read. No, the answer is, okay, go take care of it as much as it depends on you. And then, then be with the Lord. Then worship. Then serve. Then seek Him. But you got to get that taken care of first. Because the scripture says you can't not love your brother and love God at the same time. First John 4. We love God because he first loved us. Verse 20. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So, what's the answer to anger? The answer is right relationships with God, right? Pursue right relationship with God quickly, quickly. Man, I, I would say the most dangerous thing. So, so when you think about risk, right? Everybody's got different, we've talked about this a bunch, different risk quotes. I've got, I've got people in this church that say, man, I'll, I won't go on a foreign mission trip uh, because it's too risky, too risky to go to those, those dangerous kind of, you, you know what I believe is the most, one of the most risky things a Christian can do? Stay angry. Man, I tell you what, I'd, I'd rather go hand out Bibles to the Taliban any day. For real. Than I would live my life in habitual anger. 
That's way more risky. That is way more dangerous. Why? Well, look what Jesus says. Um, this is verse 25. Come terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you pay the last penny. Now, you might be thinking, well, that prison thing, that's just part of the illustration, Pastor. You know? I mean, he's just saying, you know, if, if you're at odds with your brother, then you need to go to the courthouse, wait for him, you know? As soon as you see him get out of, your, out of his car, you know, you need to be like, hey, 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 come on. Let, let's get this right. Let's not go before the judge. Let's not, let's not get involved. With the, let's get this right. Come on, let's get this right. You know, because you, you don't want to go and lose and have to go to jail. I think there's more here than that. Let me tell you why I think there's more here than that. Matthew 18. An, Jesus, another, Jesus teaching another passage on forgiveness, on anger, okay? This is one where the guy owes like 10,000 uh, talents, so $10 million to the, the king, and the king just forgives him, wipes away his debt, right? And then he goes down the stairs, finds a fellow servant, owes him 20 bucks, grabs him, puts a chokehold on him, pay me, you sucker. No, I can't. Please have patience. You're going to, you know, drives him down, just won't forgive, all right? And you remember what happens? Well, here, let me read it. Uh, 33. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers. Same image. Isn't that interesting? Until he should pay all his debt. And then here's the kicker. Verse 35. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Oh, man. You see, God, God, Jesus comes right around and he, and, he, and he gives an application here to the, to, the, to the parable and he says, God will do that to you. Right, so I, I actually think the prison thing is more than just part of the illustration. It's actually a spiritual reality. And he, here's what I would say to you. Anger and unforgiveness are a prison. You hear that, folks? They're a prison. If, if, you're, if you're angry with your brother and, and you stay on this line. Remember, that's why Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Remember what it says? Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, don't stay here. Don't stay here. You stay here. That's a bitterness is a prison. Anger, habitual, long-term anger is a prison. It's going to keep you from fellowship with God. It's going to keep you from joy. It's going to keep you from being who you ought to be in your family. It's going to keep you from leading your family. It's going to keep you from loving people the way you ought to love them. It's a prison. And it's a prison that if you stay on it your whole life, if you live your life an angry, unforgiving person, then here's what Jesus is going to say. You don't have the righteousness of the kingdom. Because that's, that's not the way kingdom people live. Maybe you'd be here today and you'd just say, Pastor, I was just kind of born with a temper, you know? I'm Irish. I have red hair. I don't know. You know, people say all kinds of stuff like that, you know? Hey, you know what? I actually believe that. I actually believe that some people are just angrier than others, you know? I mean, I, I look at my own kids, you know? And I've, I've got one that seems, you know, just more temperamental than the others, you know? I, I, I get that. I, I actually, to some degree... There's some good in that. Um, those people tend to be doers. You know why? Because they get worked up about stuff. You know? Man, I think I think it's actually a good trait to be like, ah, you know what? Man, there's, there's 
10 million Muslims in this country and they're being lied to about, about eternal life and I'm going to get on a plane and go. Right? I mean, the, those people tend to be that kind of people. So there's nothing wrong with having a fiery spirit. Remember James and John, what did Jesus call them? Sons of thunder, you know? Nothing wrong with that. As long as you don't stay on the line, right? Nothing wrong with being angry as long as you quickly pursue right relationships. There is a righteous anger. If you have that, awesome. But, but, but even, even anger, if it's dealt with immediately and quickly, can be redemptive. But you got to obey Jesus. You got you to seek a right relationship. My friends, don't get, don't get stuck in the prison. Bitterness is a ruthless prison. And the only, well, that's not true. I was going to say the only person you hurt is yourself. That's actually not true. You, hurt, you really hurt everybody around you. But you hurt yourself more than you hurt anybody else. There is forgiveness in Jesus. Man, he paid for it. He demonstrated on the cross. And he, he, he lived that way, didn't he? Man, they're crucifying him. And he's saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. He is seeking their good while they are killing him. Man, that is the kingdom of heaven. Father in heaven, I ask you, God, to bring that to our lives, to bring that to us this morning. God, give us a heart that will not stay in broken relationships. But God, as much as it depends on us, Father, we realize that we can't fix everything. Sometimes people, people won't let us. Um, they won't respond. They, they, won't, they won't participate. God, that breaks our heart. But God, I pray that as much as it depends on us, God, help us to be right with all people. Father, help us to pursue right relationships, to pursue ministry and joy and love toward toward everyone but God especially toward those closest to us God I don't, I don't know why but we seem to hurt the ones we love more than we hurt anybody else and so God I pray for husbands and wives and parents and children in this room God please give them grace to to pursue a right relationship with those that that are in their family, in their circle, in their work. God, I pray that we'd be just like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand, please? Let's sing together.